on a series um, entitled Death to Life because that's where we're supposed to be going. Once you're born again, you, sh- you should see yourself exiting this death mentality that has invaded this globe and experiencing the life of Jesus Christ. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, a very telling Scripture that we've been reading over and over again, it says, He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness. Everyone at one time was living in the dominion of darkness. When we made Jesus Christ the Lord of our life, He translates us into His kingdom, the kingdom of His beloved Son. That's good news. And some of the best news here that people don't really even focus on is that you had nothing to do with it. See, as we're talking about, what are we on? We're on week 8 of of learning how to walk in life instead of death. A lot of people take this and turn it into religion. Now, what do I mean by religion? Religion is something that you do to get God to move. We are not in religion. We are in relationship. We do not work for God to move in our life. We accept what God has already done in Christ Jesus by faith. We believe what God has done in our life. We do not do these things to become. We are so we do. Do you understand that? Today we're going to be talking about the contrast of God's given us um, contentment in life and the counterfeit that the dominion of darkness gives us, and that is covetousness. So you already have contentment in you. It's in your born-again spirit. Now we just need to renew our minds to think that way. To understand that way. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. When does eternal life start? Eternal life does not start when you die and go to heaven. Eternal life starts when you meet Jesus. Right? So we need to be experiencing eternal life as we are living now here in this earth. God desires for His life, His eternal life, His abundant life to be manifest in our life. But the wages of sin is death. Wherever you see death in society, sin is tied to it. Sin is tied to it. The death of a marriage, the death of finances, the death of of so many different things, sin is tied to it. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, it says, If then you have been risen with Christ, have you been risen with Christ? At least a couple of you have been. (laughs) Now seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So now that you've been risen with Christ, your mindset, the way that you see the world, the way that you see yourself, should be seeking to see it through through the mindset of Christ seated at the right hand of God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 says, For at one time you were in darkness. For one time you were in darkness, but now you are in the light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. See, this isn't saying that you have to do certain things to become children of the light. 
it says that God has made you children of the light. Now act like it. Now act like it. You see that it really all comes down to your identity. How do you see yourself? As Pastor Tom was talking, from what's in your heart. What's in your heart? We need to renew our minds with the Word of God. We need to renew our minds to the truth and the reality that is ours in Christ Jesus. We need to put on, the Bible says, to put on the mind of Christ. In James chapter 3, verse 14, these are always fun scriptures, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, where is it? In your hearts. Do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. What did we just read? That we're supposed to be looking where Jesus is seated in heavenly places. But it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Wow. It's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. There is a saying, and it rings very true. I'm sure you guys heard it. We spend money on things that we, we spend money that we don't have on things that we don't want to impress people that we don't know. You know, back in the olden days, if you watch a, a uh, like a uh, western or my kids would know, a Little House on the Prairie, when they went into the general store, they usually went in there and there was a clerk behind a counter, right? And they would come in and tell the clerk, or they'd have a list of items that they wanted, and they'd give it to the clerk, and the clerk would disappear, get the items, and bring it to, the, to them. That's how general stores were done for years and years and years and years. Until Mr. Woolworth. Mr. Woolworth was the first person on a large scale, to put all of this inventory out in a showroom where people could see it, touch it, feel it, to walk around, to realize, I never knew I needed this. He, he, he changed the way that we shop today. Right? So, so you that like, like to shop, you can thank Mr. Woolworth for that. And it, it works though. It works. Advertising, marketing, awaken a desire in you to buy things that you did not even know that you needed. Right? How many times have you gone to the store to purchase something that you did need and come home with something that you didn't even know existed? Then we bring it home and pay extra money to store it. Right? We put it in our storage unit. We stow it away. And then we later throw it out because we had no need for them at all. What I find funny is when you hear someone, you talk to someone, so why don't you just throw it out? Well, I paid good money for this. <laughs> but it has no value to them. They just feel bad that they were duped. Think about this. We pay to take the item home. Then we pay to store it. And then we pay a sanitary uh, garbage man to come and pick it up and take it to the dump. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the power of coveting. 
On top of all this, we have the spiritual gravity of this world, this present age, that pulls us pulls us towards being jealous of others and covetousness of what others have. Social media has maximized the power of the demonic spirit of covetousness. And when I talk about demonic spirit, there is there are demonic spirits, but a lot of the times the spirit, when you read in the Bible, is talking about a attitude. You ever hear of team team spirit, having team spirit? Right? God says, do not have or God, God says, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. He's not talking about a, a, a spirit of demonic fear. He's talking about, I have not given you an attitude. I have not given you a worldview. I have not given you a um, mindset of fear. What I have given you is an attitude of love, power, and a sound mind. And that's why we need to renew our thinking. We need to renew our thinking to the way that God thinks. And But social media... It, it, it takes this um, mindset from the dominion of darkness and, and it, just, it just radiates it through all of our iPhones, tablets, and computer screens. It's a place where everybody is showing off the stuff they have, places they go, the luxuries they enjoy. And what happens when you see those things? How many times have you looked at somebody's new fancy gadget, new fancy car, wonderful vacation, great meal, and said, praise God! I am so happy for them. I, I, am so, I am so happy how God has blessed them. If we were content, if we had contentment, if we had the mind of Christ, that's the way that we should react. We should be excited when other people are blessed. Unfortunately, that's not the case most of the time. You know, it's actually it's interesting now that um, for some people, my, my dad used to tell me that you know when someone went out and got a new car, they'd drive it around to all their family and stuff, and they'd show it, and everybody would be excited. They'd run out and be excited for them. And now it's now it seems like um, if you get something new or something like that, you almost Hide it. You don't want people to know. Because we're not a thankful people anymore. We, 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 do, we, we don't have a, a, a heart of gratitude. And what social media does, it just sets the stage for coveting. Here's coveting. It's an ungodly, discontented desire Passion, envy, craving, greed, jealousy, obsession, longing, or lust for someone or something that is not supposed to be yours. Now, this is something that we got to, this, this topic of um, being content and covetousness, it's, we really have to balance, balance this. 
Because you can go to the stream in both ways. You, you can be a covetous person, or you can, be, you can be a person that thinks that they're earning God's favor by swearing off all worldly pleasures. As far as I'm concerned, when I read Genesis, and God says He made the world, and then He says that what He has made was what? Very good. God did not create a world that we should be running from, but that we should be enjoying. He gave us life to be enjoyed. And for some reason, religious people like to go to the other extreme. Right? The short of, of, of it is, is when, coveting, when you're coveting, um, is you're not being content with what God wants for you. That's really what it comes down to. And instead, you want something He has not chosen for you. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, it says, For everything in the world, and again, this wor- the world, world there is not talking about the dirt that we live on. It's talking about this mi- worldly mindset. All right? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. Coveting is the sin that starts with our eyes. Satan tempted Adam and Eve according to this pattern that we just read here in 1 John, and later he tried the same thing with Jesus in the wilderness. Right? Adam and Eve failed, we fail, but thank God, Jesus didn't. And then, so, let's... uh, Let's check the condition of our heart here just for, for, well, for a second. Um, what Adam and Eve did is that they had the lust of the eyes. This happened when they saw the fruit. They had the lust of the body, bodily flesh. This happened when they realized it was good for food. And the pride of life happened when they wrongly believed it was desirable for gaining wisdom. That's what we do every day. This is the temptation that we face every day. Coveting made God's big ten, top ten. Do you know that? Probably because it's impossible to love your neighbors when you're coveting your neighbor's things. When we covet, we cannot be happy for whatever blessing someone else has. Instead, we become bitter that it's not in our lives. Coveting creates a mindset of greed and selfishness that leads to sinful actions. What's very interesting about the, about the Ten Commandments is that God, gave the, that God gave the Israelites, from a historical perspective, is that many societies in the Old, during the Old Testament time had lists and laws of, mor, of moral laws. Right? Many of them had laws about stealing. Many of them had laws about not lying. Many had laws about not murdering, right? What makes the Ten Commandments different is that it not only includes external actions, but the intent of the heart. And the Ten Commandments is the only laws that not only look at your actions, but the intent, right? The motives of the heart and mind. See, coveting is the root of all other sins. 
Coveting is the root of the sin. The first two commandments teach us what? They teach us that there's only one God and that we should not covet Him. Rather, we should worship God. Right? Now, the seventh commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. When you covet someone, in your heart, it's only a matter of time before you commit adultery with your hands. You understand that? The eighth commandment, we are told not to steal. But when we covet in our hearts, eventually we steal. Well, I never stole anything. Well, sometimes we steal with our vote. We vote to have people steal for us in the form of taxation and entitlements. That goes back to having a biblical worldview. What is what is God? What does God say about that? It says, "He that steal, steals, let him steal no more, but let him work with his hands, so he has something to give." Generosity is the opposite. So, if there was no coveting, there would be no idolatry. There would be no adultery. There would be no stealing, and many of the world's problems would just go away. There, we solved it all. Let's reflect for a moment. Have you ever ever seen a car that you deeply wish that you could own and drive? Have you ever seen a home that was so great that you deeply wanted to have it for yourself? Is there a person whose abilities, mental, physical, spiritual, you wish that you could have? Whom do you honestly wish you looked like? What things do other people have that you really want for yourself? Whose spouse have you met that you secretly wished you were married to? Don't say that out loud. What is (laughs) the one experience that someone else had that you wish you had instead of that person? Whom would you trade lives with if you could swap your life with someone else's? The question that you have to ask yourself is, when we read through these questions, did, did any of the answers come up readily? Did you immediately think of something and it came to your mind? If so, you need to realize that you have fallen for the demonic trick of coveting. And we need to repent from the dominion of darkness and the way that the, of that thinking and we need to go from death to life. You need to stop looking at the square footage the value, the interior design of your neighbor's homes. We need to stop comparing the age, beauty, and allure of someone you are not married to with your spouse. Don't worry about someone else's new car, big vacation, but be content and thankful with what God has given you. God wants us to be content. Satan counterfeits contentment with coveting. Coveting makes us not want what God has given us. Contentment is not the same as not working to achieve something. This is what I'm talking about, the balance. Right? Contentment doesn't mean to strive for something or, 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 not, or doesn't mean not to strive for something or not to want to 
excel and prosper in life. Contentment is being happy with the place you are no matter what stage of life you are in. Because our identity, our joy, our fulfillment is found in Jesus, not in the things of this world. That's a huge difference. Many times, God holds things back in our lives because it will hurt us. I have four kids. They're all 16 years of age or above. And they all wanted driver's license and they all wanted to drive and they all wanted a car. I did not give any of my kids the ability to drive nor a vehicle when they were six years old. Why? Because I'm, I'm sure they would have wanted it. It's because they would hurt themselves with it. They weren't ready for it. And the same thing goes with, you hear people say that if I win the lottery, oh, the good that I could do. Statistically, everyone that gets a huge sum of money, especially through the lottery, or, or end up bankrupt within, within years of receiving the funds. Why? Because they're not mentally prepared to handle that type of wealth. And it ruins them. It wrecks them. Maybe the things that you're longing for God to do in your life, He's holding back until we change our hearts. Because we know, just like a six-year-old behind the wheel of a car, it's going to create more damage than blessing. Coveting is a big deal. Because when we covet, we act like the devil. In case you don't know, we're not supposed to act like the devil. The devil right? That, that's the, that's the, your theological deep revelation this Sunday. Is don't act like the devil. Right? Devil bad, God good. Coveting started with Lucifer. Coveting started with Lucifer. Even the angels were enticed to align with Satan's scheme of coveting God's glory. Many people don't even realize that. That where, where, where these things, these ideas, these mindsets come from, they originate from the, king, the dominion of darkness and Satan himself. In James chapter 1, verse 17, it says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Again, just because we think something's good does not mean it's good for us. Just because we think it's good does not mean that it's good for us. Sometimes the Father says no. And sometimes the Father says not right now. But when you are ready. Many times, withholding a gift from a child is the act of loving them. And the same thing is, it's the same thing true with God. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, it says, For the rich in this present age charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. 
So what's it saying there? It's saying, it's saying there, there's nothing wrong with being rich. It's, it's saying there's nothing wrong with having things. Why? Because God richly provides us everything to enjoy. Life is to be enjoyed. Coveting makes us forget that we're rich. If you're in this room today, you are living a quality of life that people in the past could not even imagine. With much of the world living in poverty, us with electricity, central heating, with a fridge, with a pantry or a cupboard that's holding extra food for us, we're living in a quality of life that most of the world does not experience. We qualify as the rich in the Scripture. And we need to thank God and, and, and be, um, be thankful and, 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 and grateful for, for the blessings that we have. See, what coveting does, it, it, it's a deep dissatisfaction with what God has given you. You're displeased with what God has given you. And this wasn't in 1 Timothy. Jesus said, Jesus said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Again, there's nothing wrong with having possessions, but there is something wrong with possessions having you. The problem is not with our stuff that we hold. The problem is that our stuff holds us. The issue is not in our hands. The issue is in our hearts. There are times that it seems like someone has a beef with, with us. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like, this person just doesn't like me? There's, there's, some, there's some attitude. There's some, it's weird that this person doesn't like, like, like me. I, can't, I don't know what I've done to this person, but it just seems like there's always friction. There's, always, they, there's a standoff. There, it, it, it just seems odd to us. And, that, and then you find out later that the person really didn't have anything against you it's just simply that they were jealous of you. Now let's take those shoes and put them on and walk in them for a while. Who makes you jealous? Who makes you annoyed? And you're not really sure why. Could it be that their beauty, their income... Their humor, their intellect, their popularity, their success, their health, their marriage, their children. I mean, you get the picture. You just fill in the blank. Could that be the reason why? Are you secretly competing with someone in your mind? Now ask yourself, how is your relationship with that person? Do you criticize that person behind their back? Do you wish that person would suffer or lose what they have? Do you wish you could trade places with that person? Oh me or oh my. 
In James chapter 4, verse 1, it says, What causes quarrels? And what causes fights among you? This can answer a lot of questions right here. Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Notice that the quarrels and the fights that we have really have nothing to do with other people. It has to do with the passions and the war that's raging inside of you. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. That's very interesting there. As you can see, the demonic deception of, of, uh, uh, continues in the human heart and in the relationships that we share with our fellow humans in the world. Just like with God and Lucifer. God did nothing wrong. Lucifer simply coveted the glory God received. As a result, the relationship, what? It was destroyed. When we covet someone and feed our jealousy, the issue is not really between us and the person. Listen to that. When we feed our jealousy, when we covet someone else, the issue is not between us and the other person. As we just read, it's a war within your heart. Truly, it, it's, it's between us and God. Why? Because we don't like what God, how God has made us, or how God, what God has given us. God invites us to replace coveting with asking. God invites you to replace coveting what other people has with asking. James tells us to ask God for what we need, rather than seeking to have what He has given others. This is interesting. When we take our request to God, what does that do? It reveals our heart. And if we're honest, most of the things that we covet, most of the things that we lust after, we would never ask God for because we know that they're ungodly and unhealthy. The reason why we don't ask God to do certain things in our life is because we know they're not good for us. It reveals our heart. See, God invites us to bring what we think we need to Him and when we do, it invites God to show us the difference between our need and our greed. Many times people, many times God graciously gives us the things we ask for just as He graciously provided for the persons that we're tempted to envy. God, every good gift comes down from God. Everything good in the earth is from God. God desires for you to enjoy good things. The problem is, is our heart. If that's where we think we're going to get our joy, if that's where we think we're going to get our contentment, if that's where we think we're going to get our happiness, we're believing the lie of covetousness. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 43, it says, 
When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through an arid place, seeking rest, and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there, and the final condition of the person is worse than than the first. See, what Jesus is teaching here is the principle of replacement. God doesn't tell you to stop thinking. He tells you to change the way that you think. You understand that? In like manner, Paul taught the same kind of principle that we are not only to take off certain mindsets and desires, but we're also to put on others. You need to replace them with other thoughts and mindsets. It's not enough simply to cast off coveting. It's not enough just to cast off coveting. It's not enough to get rid of all your possessions or just move into a tiny house. That's not the answer. It's, I find it very, very interesting that the same monks and priests that take a vow of poverty, they live off the wealth of others. You didn't get that. It's ungodly for them to have wealth, but if it wasn't for the wealth of others, they'd go hungry. So what's the answer? What's the answer? Contentment is the answer. Contentment is the answer. We take off coveting and we replace it with contentment. Contentment has nothing to do with this stuff and everything to do with your soul. How's your soul? You have soul prosperity. We need to put on contentment. Just as light drives out darkness, so contentment drives out coveting. Paul said, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. Paul understood contentment. And we need to too. Contentment is not based on what we have in this world, but rather what we have in our relationship with God. What we have in our relationship with God. Because He and He alone is the only thing that meets our deepest needs and our greatest desires. When we are content, We can be ruling from a high position or we can be serving from a low position. You understand that? When we are content, it doesn't matter our station in life at that particular moment because our identity is not found in what we do or what we have. Our identity is found in who we are in Christ. Who we are in God. Who He says we are. Jesus sat 
on a throne and was worshipped by angels. But he also counted it all joy as he hung on a cross and was cursed and mocked by the crowd. Because he knew who he was. A content person can be rich in possessions or reeling in poverty while having the same quality of character and life and love as Jesus. I don't know if you guys have ever watched um, documentaries of, of Christian missionaries and um, third world countries and, and those things and, and the joy and the celebration that they have in, po- in absolute poverty. I re- remember one documentary I, I read. These, uh, these, these Muslim um, extremists were coming in to a village and they were killing everyone. And um, one of the kids were so, so was upset. And the mother said to the child, Be thankful for God that we get to, to give our lives for the name of Jesus. Wow. That's contentment to the extreme. That's the contentment that Jesus had when He hung on the cross. You know, if you read Fox's book of Martyrs, you've heard me say this before, that when, when, during the Romans, when they persecuted the church, down in the catacombs, they read an inscription that says, here lies my, my wife and my newborn child who gave their life for the glory of God and the service of Maximus. Church, we've got it good. We live in a time in history that no other people on the face of the planet have experienced. We have more luxuries. We have more free time. We, we, we have more things to enjoy. We have more privileges than any other people at any other time in history. But we're the most miserable. We're the most envious. We're the most jealous and we're the most brutal despite our abundance. The church has to show a different way. The children of God have to show a different way. We have to leave the dominion of darkness, leave death behind and walk into the light, into the kingdom of God's dear Son. For some of, us, some of us, that means that we need to disconnect from some social media or stop following certain people. For others, we might have to repent and apologize to certain people. All of us need to spend time with Jesus. All of us have to ask God to reveal the condition of our hearts. 
all of us have to look to where we find our joy, our happiness, our contentment. Because I'm telling you, you will you will chase and chase and chase and you'll never find it. And can you realize that it only comes through a relationship in God? Amen. Amen. These aren't the funnest these aren't the funnest messages to preach. But it's good for us. Because we want life and we want life to the full. We want to see the church of Jesus Christ shine like the sun. We 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 got to pull back the deception of darkness that is a cancer in our society that's destroying destroying our culture. It is it is deceiving our children. I mean some of the some of the biggest things that people want to be now growing up is influencers. What are you influencing them for? To buy this? To buy a product? To say, if you do this, or you be like this, or you be like me, then your life is going to be perfect? It's all an illusion. It's all an illusion. Some of the biggest lies are told on social media. And the problem is, is that too many of us, especially our young people, believe it. Suicide with young people is up drastically. We find our young people lost and confused. They can't even be content in who God made them. And are going to huge extremes that can't be reversed. We need to talk to our children. We need to talk to our grandchildren. We need to explain to them where true contentment and true fulfillment comes from. We have to show them from our own lives a better way. Because from the abundance of our hearts, our mouth speaks. The little things we say, those little covetous attitudes and jealousies, they pick up on those things. And they can be so unconscious of our own because heart issues are always unconscious. But Jesus can set us free. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.